there's a lot of noise in this space, but people are listening to us because we're authentic and we're, we're personable and we tell we tell a true story and we do what we say we're going to do. And I think that that's, that's, that's the most important thing about how you communicate. Welcome to episode 169 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from people who inspire and motivate others to help you learn how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. I grew up in the agribusiness world and cut my teeth in content marketing, creating videos on pig farming for my family's business. Now, as a digital advocate, I'm fascinated by the opportunities presented in ag tech. Agriculture and technology, two of the most species-defining human inventions, joining together to create new opportunities for our future. And what better way to explore these new disruptive ideas than at Southstart with Farmwell co-founder Serena Lee. Farmwell is an ag tech startup that designs urban farming technology and experiences to enhance fresh produce accessibility within cities. With three years in business, Farmwell installs vertical farms. Farmwell dares to imagine that our cities can become food producing ecosystems and that we can all achieve better well-being through sustainability and good nutrition. In today's episode of Be The Drop, Serena discusses the importance of being open to critical evaluation of your product or service. She also reflects on the rapid growth of the urban farming movement and how valuable crowdfunding can be in understanding your market. This is Serena's version of Be The Drop. Serena's episode was recorded live at Southstart in Adelaide, a convergence of humans, impact and technology, where humans and machines create tomorrow today. I've included a link in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about Southstart. Serena, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop here at Southstart 19. Fantastic to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Now, if to get us started, could you share a bit of a story about you and your journey and what you're doing and creating now? Farmwall is an urban farming ag tech startup. We design indoor small-scale farmwalls that go into cafes, restaurants, workplaces. It's, we've been around for three years now. It's been a really interesting journey because I've actually got a design background and I originally got involved when my business partner, Geert, had the original idea of large-scale vertical farms on skyscrapers and needed help with getting the website and the branding and the identity and the whole pack off the ground. So I was just helping him as a pro bono Sunday afternoons for a couple of weeks in a row. And then three years later, here we are, and we've we've co-founded the company together and we're running an ag tech startup. So that was certainly a very interesting journey so far. <laughs> yeah, so from designer to ag tech startup, there must have been a bit of a learning curve. Definitely. The learning curve was steep. We we actually we went through two business accelerators pretty much back to back um, as soon as we started just because we needed to go back to school to figure out what we were doing and make sure that we were setting up structures correctly and just learning about how to start a business, you know, let alone run it. So yeah, there was a very steep learning curve and it's it's still existing today. Um, every day I learn something new. We, we always say that, you know, this, this week we learned more than the last 
three months combined and that those numbers just keep rising exponentially. Yeah. So it's um it's great. It must yeah. sometimes feel like how can we possibly keep learning? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit overwhelming. I keep, I, I keep thinking that I that I finally know things and understand things and then something will happen and I'll I'll say I don't know anything. <laughs> I suppose that's a really important lesson though to remember that there's still more things to learn and to be open to learning. Oh, always. Yeah. And we've always been very open. We've built a business that's very open to critique as well. And and we often are very transparent and, you know, we speak to people about our our problems and our opportunities and what we think is working and what we think is isn't working. And we we always welcome people to tell us our baby is ugly. Um, because we've we've been able to pivot and grow several times just through that constant feedback learning loop of listening to what people are actually saying and watching what the market is doing and just yeah staying really on top of it yeah and I really like that analogy that you know tell us that your baby is ugly Mm. because you know as as parents, you'd never really want to hear that your baby is ugly. And I'm sure that, you know, being so deep in the business as a co-founder, it's the same sort of attachment. But as you say, that's really enabled you to grow. Mm, Yeah, definitely. I think being able to let go of that attachment has been a really important step for us to take. When you hold on to something for too long, people tell you that it's not working and you just don't actually listen so I think having that ability to look at it from an outsider's perspective and look at the whole picture and be really critical yourself about what works and what doesn't work is, um, yeah, really important for for everyone. Mm. So looking back on this three-year journey, are there some like key moments, challenges or successes that really stand out that you think, yeah, that's something that we really learned from and has shaped where we are today? Plenty. I mean, even just when, when we first started the business, um, we raised an initial 30000 in a crowdfunding campaign because we, we didn't have any capital to build farm walls. So that was an extremely intense process of putting an idea that you have out to a market and essentially just let people rip into it. And they, they either they tell you that they like it and they give you money or, or they don't and you don't continue and, and you stop. And, and that, was, that was sort of a decision we made, you know, let's, let's play it safe and we'll do a crowdfunding campaign. And if it doesn't work, you know, we're going to need to seriously reassess whether our idea actually has value or merit in the community. And so it was, it was risky and we, um, from, from the get-go, we were very vulnerable in that. So I think that that was a massive stage for our business because we, we just learned so much through that process and doing it so early as well. So that was, a, that was a huge milestone for us. Yeah, and is it something you would recommend going through a crowdfunding campaign? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think when you've got an idea, whether it's a product or a service, and it's at the concept stage and you need to grow and you don't have capital and you don't have customers and you know unless unless you can fund it yourself which you know if you can that's great it's a great way to test the market and essentially do a really safe pre-launch of an MVP that can be really really basic and just get your idea out there and I think starting with that mentality of always just keeping it lean getting it out to the market before it's ready asking for feedback and then delivering on that after you iterate would be 
really helpful. And it's, it's just, it's a great way to raise money. And then you actually build a community as well. And so when you actually have the product after you've built it with the money, you've got all these people, hundreds and thousands that are on your mailing list and they're waiting and they're following and, and they ha- kind of have that early adapters kind of ego as well in a, in a positive way. And, and, you know, I still have people emailing me now saying, you know, I was part of your crowdfunding campaign back in 2016. And, you know, I gave you $50 and I got the shirt and the stickers and, you know, and then they still follow the journey now and they tell everyone and, you know, you, you create a little family around you. So it was, yeah, really cool experience. Yeah, there's a sense of ownership in that for them. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. So then how do you communicate that? You know, you're going, you, you don't necessarily have a product and you're asking people for money. How mm-hmm. do you tell that story to bring them on board something that doesn't yet exist? Telling a compelling narrative is the most challenging part because a lot of people before you actually have built the thing, you need to be able to take them on a 60-second journey that encapsulates the, the energy and the tone, the feel and how it works and what it does and how it has value for them. And um, that initial pitch video, is, it's, it's hard to nail, but if you, do it, if you do it well, if it's personable, that really makes an impact on, on people. Some of the most successful crowdfunding videos have been very very personal where it's been the people themselves and they've had the personal problems and they're describing uh, an anecdote of how it essentially has affected their life and how it's benefited them if it's a technical product you know it's very different you kind of have to be a little bit more adept with the specifications and CAD drawings. And so it, it, it really does depend on, on what it is. I've seen crowdfunding campaigns that are musicians selling CDs so that they can launch an EP to beehives, to solar-powered roadways, to, you know, all sorts. So it's very different for every case, I believe. Mm. And for you, you know, coming with a background as a designer, the visual storytelling element, how important is that in the communication and getting, you know, people motivated to engage with you? Yeah, as I, as I said before, you know, you have to be able to take people on a journey and, you know, you don't even have images to show them yet. So you've, you've got to take them on this sort of, whether it's developing cute little motion graphics that kind of bring people on that journey it's um it was it was really important so it was it was good that we had that that element from the start because people people were compelled to watch and listen from a very early stage because it was it was attractive it it looked good and we had a we had a good narrative mm, and so now you've got the product you're installing it in locations what you know what's next at this stage we're in a range of cafes, but mostly where the focus has been recently has been in the corporate workplace setting. So offering the farm wall to, you know, Mervac, Westpac, HSBC, just to name a few and providing the employees essentially with a freemium access to microgreens, fresh produce that they can have at any time. And they're giving us great feedback. And one of the key things that they are telling us is, how can I grow this at home and can can I buy some of the materials from you so that I can continue doing this so that I can access it in my kitchen as well as my workplace. So the future looks like DIY grow kits. It looks like 
the home appliance model, you know, these are all just speculations at this stage, but I think that that's definitely where there'd be a huge opportunity for us to, to enter as well. Yeah, and I think people are wanting to become, you know, more self-sufficient in, you know, not just green wall, but like, you know, growing their own food produce, etc. So, you know, that it really taps into that aspect of, you know, what I've seen like with community gardens, for example, there is this growth in that space. Is that sort of, does that all tie in together having that, you know, consumer demand? Yeah, I mean, I think now more than ever, I mean, a good example is that the recent Woolworths D- Discovery Garden, you know, we're, we're seeing DIY grow kits hit the mainstream, which is huge for us because a couple of years ago, you know, it was hard to find them at Bunnings and Ikea has hydroponic tabletop appliances and Bunnings has little microgreen and mushroom grow kits and um, people are really starting to cotton on to wanting to grow their own produce because of the the tactile fun nature that comes from it but also that that growing consumer demand for a completely transparent food supply chain as well and it's the the trustworthiness of growing it yourself and the nutritional content as well people are getting a lot more discerning around understanding that food has higher nutrient value when it's consumed as close as possible to when it was harvested and so people are starting to understand that now and really nourish their bodies yeah it's it's certainly a wave that's been that's been rising over the last you know five to ten years and and also with some of the you know just broader climate change kind of political lens there's you know, the need to enhance urban food production and build sustainable cities to feed a growing population. And people are starting to take that into their own hands because, you know, they're relying on government and large organizations to do the right thing. And sometimes they don't always do. And so people are just doing it themselves and doing what they can. And that's really amazing to see. Mm. And the ag tech space itself is really going through a fantastic growth and a lot of things happening in that space. And I think because a number of those reasons you've just mentioned. So for you, you know, what value does that add that, you know, there seems to be a robust community and ecosystem growing around ag tech as well? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hugely beneficial for us. I mean, I was having this conversation with someone last night and, and he didn't come from an ag background but he entered into ag tech because he believed that that's the industry that he could make the most positive impact because of all the different facets of food production supply chain efficiency packaging waste ethical treatment for agriculture regenerative farming you know all these different elements of ag tech he was looking at and he was like this is where i can apply my knowledge from you know all these different areas of the previous industries and actually and actually see some some growth and so I, I found that really inspiring because of just how multifaceted agriculture is you know we work in indoor vertical farming using aquaponics growing microgreens and some people call us urban farmers and then you have people that working in drone technology so that they can have you know better overview of where their cattle are and and what they're doing so that you know their farmers can get better prices for their production and it's impressive how how broad the industry in and just how many ways that anyone can can get involved and 
and help have serious impact with for the rest of the world. Yeah. And it, it's a it's a connector as well. It's food is is the connecting point for so many different industries. You know, I was speaking to Crystal Johnson before about, you know, the issues that they're having about growing food in space. Yeah. And just exactly how they're going to tap into ag tech in order to do that. And it's like Yes. Yeah. Well, you could, you know, fix them up with a, a wall yeah, <laughs> in I mean, space. Per, perhaps, <laughs> you know, NASA, if you're listening. <laughs> I mean, and isn't that, you know, great that we come here to a conference like this and you get to have that conversation with a NASA astronaut? Oh, it was, yeah, incredible. I, I didn't I didn't expect it. And I think it's great. Just the, the breadth of knowledge of everyone here I've, I've met some really impressive humans that are doing some really amazing things so I'm yeah I'm really really happy to be here yeah and, and I think you've really tapped on it there it's it's a very human centric you know tech conference which is great mm. well thank you so much Serena for joining me in conclusion though could you please share your be the drop tip so that's your top tip for communication that motivates and inspires others I, I guess just being authentic is the best advice that we could always have. I mean, that's that seems to what's what's really worked for us is, you know, there's a lot of noise in this space, but people are listening to us because we're authentic and we're we're personable and we tell we tell a true story and we do what we say we're gonna do. And I think that that's 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 the most important thing about how you communicate. Yeah. Fantastic. Tell a true story. I love that. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that.